You're listening to Two Girls, One Crossword. Are you wearing your Lala shirt? I can't tell. No. Oh, no, Gravedigger. I still need to wash that. Yeah. I like to wash before I wear it because I can't stand that, like, crisp, like, you know, new shirt. I hear feel. you. Yeah, it feels like chemically starched in a way right. sometimes. I need to be lived in. Yeah. Yes, Grace did buy a t-shirt at none other than Lollapalooza. So. Just a, you know, casual, subtle way of, of hinting that, yes, we did, in fact, go to Lollapalooza. Just we one day. <laughs> we were weekend. there for a single day, but that was a choice. We only chose to be there for one day, so. Right. I mean, it's, it's a lot to go there for the four days. Kudos to anyone who can do it. Um, it's exhausting. It's Even after one it's day. Expensive. It's expensive. Yeah. I know. It's like. The amount of money we spent on food that day. <laughs> the food is so good, though. I've never been to Lala. All of the food there is local Chicago vendors, and they have a ton of just regular food. And then there's like a whole separate section just for dessert food. We spent um, a lot of time there. Right. And the lines <laughs> for the food are pretty short, considering how many people are there. Um, yeah. And they've got so easy. many. Yeah. They've got so many like sections for food specifically. So there's like, there's vegan food, there's tacos, there's, I don't, that's not a lot. It doesn't sound like a lot, but I promise you there's just so many options. So you're never waiting in line long. And then even for the dessert section, that stuff was flying out. Which oh, is right. good for us. Ugh, amazing. Um, but yeah, so we are cool and we do things other than record this podcast, which you're listening to. It's called Ooh. Two Girls, One Crossword. My name is Grace Topinka. I'm Chelsea Rowe, and this is your favorite weekly pod word, Crosscast. We're back. We are back. Um, another another year older. Mm-hmm. Feels like it. Um, <laughs> Especially after that day at Lala. Well, actually, I wasn't too bad. I wasn't too tired the next day, to be completely fair. I slept in. Felt good. Um, Happy for you. I was, I wow. was okay. Yeah. Shall we get onto our Polapalooza? Let's do it. What did you run this week? I was kind of struggling. I'm like, what? Because our topics were keep on and carry on and Play-Doh. So I oh, asked, mm-hmm. do you own any keep calm and carry on merchandise? Options Ooh. were no. Options were yes, an art print. Op- and then yes, on an object, like maybe a coffee mug or a mouse pad. Or mm-hmm. yes, but digitally. I was trying to be like, you mean you, like a if you used it as like your, you know, on oh, your icon or, or something, yeah. or your background on Tumblr or something, yeah, yeah, or phone background. Um, but a hundred percent of the vote went to no. So not that many people voted in this one, in this one. But I guess it's not that popular amongst our Twitter followers. I don't think Interesting. I. I feel like I definitely reposted it on Tumblr back in the day. Oh yeah. Um, but otherwise I don't have I don't have it anywhere. I think I'll have to look at my fridge, but I think I have a magnet. If I don't have a magnet on my fridge, I have my a magnet in a box somewhere because right. I bought all the I have like a David Bowie mugshot magnet. I've got like a Minerva, like the Roman goddess Minerva magnet. I bought mm-hmm. all of those in the same trip when I went to London when I was sixteen. So um i and for you still sure have them today on your fridge that's amazing isn't that cute um and i definitely got a keep calm carry on magnet as well but i don't know if i still have it on my fridge 
I also, when I was there, got the like mind the gap shot glasses. What am I buying shot glasses for at 16 other than aesthetic? But that's what I was about back then. I, I kind of like still am now. If I could go back in time, I don't know. Like, what's the, the best collection to get while you're traveling? Right now, we get magnets just because, or, you know, between Alex and I, we started that. But, you know, I've been to a lot of places, but I've never, I'm like, oh, I always get like a lighter or I always get a shot glass. I feel like shot glasses are really like, they mm-hmm. can be really cute to display, but they're also kind mm-hmm. of annoying since they're so breakable, you know, to travel yeah. with, to move mm-hmm. with. So. I, I collected shot glasses, but here's the problem. I also then used them when I got mm-hmm. back. So most, if not all of them, like, I think all of the ones that I got while I was traveling through college are broken or gone in some way. Or, like, the because we use them, we would wash them. So, like, the decal is gone. And that's a big regret of mine that I use them because I don't drink anymore. So it's like, what a shame I could have this cool collection. I think now I've started collecting um, matches from Mm. different restaurants and stuff when I travel. Or, like, you know, um, I went to a restaurant in Portland, Maine. And they had what looked like matches, but they were toothpicks. And they had, like, really cool branding and design, like, of that specific restaurant on it. I collect those now. And I wish I had done so more in the past because I think matches and things like that were more common to get at, like, the front of a restaurant than they are now, you know? Right. Now it's more of a novelty item or, like, like a kitschy, like, little thing that they'll do at, like, a cool restaurant. But yeah, who actually... Use who needs matches in the way that matches were needed 20 years ago, right? Yeah, I mean, I feel like we've had good luck with magnets because a lot of places have magnets. So, even if you know, when we were in Memphis, we went to Graceland, um, the tour, and they had a lot mm-hmm. of magnets there, so it's like not necessarily a Memphis magnet, but then we can, you know, remember how we went to Graceland. Of course. Yeah. Together. But, you know, we only have so much room in our fridge. You think like 30 years down the line, we're going to have to get a second fridge. Just You're going to have to get a second fridge. You'll have to get a fridge, you know, like a garage fridge that all like the rich kids had. You right. Know, you had the- I always thought that was so cool. We never had that, but Literally. like, was it a rich kid thing though? Because I feel like the fridge in the garage was always like some old, like <laughs> just an it- extra fridge that they had and it only had drinks in it. Well, that's why it made me feel like these are rich people because all of my rich friends, like I went to high school with some pretty wealthy people, like they all had a fridge in the garage and that's where they kept their drinks, which is crazy to me, like that they bought drinks to keep in a fridge. Like we had water and milk, you know what I mean? Like we didn't have a lot of cans of stuff then, although, but now I definitely get the appeal. Of having oh, a same. separate fridge just for drinks. Um, listeners, um, did you ever have a did you have a drink yeah. fridge in your garage? I feel like that's like upper middle class vibes because I feel like really rich people have like a second hidden drink fridge in their kitchen. You that's know what true. I mean? Yeah, that's a hundred percent true. Yeah. Um, what was I gonna say? Oh, you know what we collect now? Hmm. Um, Christmas ornaments. So that we have um, every time we go like on a trip, we'll get a Christmas ornament. Like we got one in Portland, we got some in you know, it just doesn't matter where. But like every time you go somewhere, you get a Christmas ornament, so you can remember that you were right. there every year. And it's always fun to like hang it up. It's cute. Look back, yeah, that is a good one. But again, same question about the fridge. Do I need to get a second tree? But you already know that I'm planning on having yeah. two trees. So, so not an issue. You'll have like one travel tree, and then. <laughs> 
I have to make sure all of my travel ornaments are pink because my second tree will be pink. But yeah. mm. you might have to get three trees then. That sounds like it. Pink Damn. tree, classic what a tree, shame. and then a travel tree. What a shame. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Hello. Uh, what are we doing again? Oh, yeah. This is a podcast. Should we go into our heights and shites? <laughs> yes. Yes. I'm, can I start us off with just like a quick run through of a uh, puzzle? Sure. You're like, I don't care. <laughs> I don't Sometimes I'm like, I, I really I don't care. Things. Do whatever you want. <laughs> I'm like, why do I make such a big deal? Anyway, um, I did the, what is this one? This is a Thursday. Thursday, August 3rd by Robin Weintraub from The New Yorker. Um, let's see. Uh, 32 across, comic blank, serif lacking font with a casual appearance. appearance. First of all, it's type second of all <laughs> um comic sans is just obviously as everybody knows it's like a laughable little font but a little anecdote my lease is written in comic sans and that is not a lie well apparently comic sans is supposed to be very easy for people to read if you have i don't know if it's dyslexia or you know some that. other because um my future sister-in-law who's a second grade teacher she always uses comic sans for everything right which for makes that sense reason. yeah but it does. right <laughs> just imagine me ready to sign the lease and my the management company for the building i rent from puts the lease down on the counter and it's in comic sans and so every year when we renew <laughs> and they email it to us to sign i'm like it's still written in comic sans you're like it. is this even legally binding right this can't be real <laughs> Um, let's see. We've seen this term a lot in puzzles recently, but I just like seeing all the different ways people are cluing it. Um, this is 59 across. Get sucked into disheartening news on one's social media feed. And the answer was doom scroll. I find that my doom scrolling is, maybe this isn't the definition of doom scrolling, or maybe it's a shade of a definition, but my doom scrolling is less about scrolling through crap news or just disheartening news but more about using social media to doom scroll my like anxiety about disheartening news away does you know what i mean like if yeah. i'm going through a hard time i will just scroll and scroll and scroll and scroll as right. like a coping and i'm like that's like a version of doom scrolling to me it's like i i'm sucked in to a point where i can't stop but if i do stop i think about Doom. how trump pleaded guilty the other day or not guilty the other day and you're just like okay you know what yeah. i mean yeah uh, anyway also 27 down makes a huge stink about things raises hell it's a good one um and was there another one? Oh yes uh 28 down quote if those are our options oh no 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 sorry sorry no no, no. where is it Sorry, I usually write these down, but for whatever reason, I didn't do it with this one. Oh, here it is. 63 across. Always wanting more. And the answer was insatiable. And now let me tell you, when I learned the definition of this word in high school, it was like life changing. There's a film, I think it was called The Dreamers, with starring Matthew Pitt, Eva Green, and Louis Garrel, which if you were into like the cinema scene at that time, I wasn't. Oh, my God. I, I was such a f pretentious little piece of crap. But 
their whole vibe was like this is set during like the 60s in paris this film and these um, three people course. yeah were obs- or or was it the 80s i can't remember at this point it might have been the 80s but either way they were obsessed with going to the cinema and they sat in the front row and the whole like the opening scene of the film was like we called the people that sat in the front row of the cinema the insatiables because they couldn't get enough and i was like it changed my life i was like i am going to be even more annoying now You're like, I know the name. I'm going to get a tattoo that says insatiable. Ex- exactly. Like, that is the level. Anyway. And I'll never forget that. So anytime I see that word, I'm like, great word. Really, really informative to my personality uh, in 10th, 11th grade. So thank you. Anyway, that's what I have from that puzzle. I have a few from that puzzle. Oh, uh, nice. Three down, what a novice parallel Parker might hit repeatedly. The curb. Uh, this was targeted. <laughs> right. Um, oh, wait, that was the other one I had from there. I think you read oh. another one that I liked. Okay, um, but yeah, I was I was going to do the curb one too, but I forgot because I didn't write it down. I'm just like looking at the puzzle, but yeah. Um, I have more from the Tuesday New Yorker by Eric Agard. Yes. Uh, 20 across, time to stop the presses, question mark. And the answer was rest days. I thought that was just very clever. Nice like leg presses. Yeah. Um, 27 across. Piece of plastic used to make things sharper. Contact lenses. That's clever, too. Which I know contact lenses are made of plastic, but they're super soft. But I always think about I used to work with a woman who wore hard. She still wore like the hard contact lenses. I just don't really understand oh, how, how that's possible. I guess you really, your eye has to be perfectly shaped for that, I think. Mine is definitely not. I had to, when I was getting my new contacts, I had to go through like three different trials to find contacts that fit both eyes. And they are two different prescriptions. And oh my God. You have have pointy eyes or something? I have very pointy eyes. They're like, you know, Madonna's cone bra. (laughs) (laughs) Um, 36 across. Thoughtful gift? Question mark. Mind reading? These are so good. Eric is always so funny. Right. And then I just liked this one because I liked the reference to Candyman. But it was Candyman Insect 35 Across. And the answer was B. I almost did a topic on the Candyman because, you know, it's related to Cabrini Green in Chicago. Um, Oh, right. But I don't know. There's like murder involved. And I just sometimes it feels like too... It wasn't the right week. Right. I hear you. I, I know exactly. Sometimes I'm like, oh, I could do it. This yeah. kind of topic. And sometimes I'm like, I don't have, I can't, I can't do, because th- it's about like, not interest, but doing the topic the justice it deserves. Right. There's some topics that are more serious that it's like, okay, if I do this, I really need to like have a lot of time to, you know, do all my research versus something that I'm like, okay, this is like fun and more lighthearted and obviously it still takes a while to do the research no matter what but it does it does but yeah some if we're gonna do like a deeper topic like you really need to give yourself time to parse through the different sources and make sure that you aren't just like i mean we it's everything is biased but sometimes you have to really be careful that you're not just going through one like one biased source you have to like fact check yourself it can be a lot. Guys, we do this for free, okay? Right. Every week, we research one topic. Where we find the time, I have no 
clue anymore. I have no clue. Right. Not but. N- not to put this on on you guys. <laughs> I'm definitely not trying to do that, but I'm trying to alleviate any of the pressure because Grace and I put a lot of pressure on ourselves. So I'm just trying to make sure that we know. I'm like looking at Grace. We are good enough. Okay. Um, but that would be an interesting topic for the future. So somebody maybe in a year put this put the Candyman back in uh, right. a crossword. Just give us maybe some time. Like a slow month for me. So I don't know. Yeah. April. No. June. Nah. I was going to say best. April. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Do you have anything else from that puzzle? No. Okay. I'm going to take us to the Friday, July 28th, New Yorker by Amy Lucido. We love Amy puzzles just like we like Eric puzzles. We like all of your puzzles, okay? The we theme don't have is a really favorite, good. okay? We, we don't. All Even of if it you guys seems like we do. <laughs> uh, the theme was good because it was confusing as hell and I had to look up what in the goddamn hell this theme was. So thank you, Amy, for humbling me, but it was good. So... The revealer for the theme was 11 down. Something to put on when solving a problem. And what 5, 18, 25, and 37 down each feature? Question mark. And the answer was thinking cap. Hmm. And you're like, okay, what in the goddamn hell does this mean? So I'll just read you a couple examples. Five down. Ceremonial celebration of the savory? Question mark. And this was just a fun answer. Umami right. Okay, because umami is the is the savory flavor sensation, which I actually did a topic on. By the way, if you're interested, let me know. Anyway, but the way it relates to the theme is, if you break the answer down, it becomes um comma am I right question mark thinking cap like um am I right okay right Uh, and then let's see twenty five down macrame for must lids question mark and the answer was ermine craft because ermine is like i don't know is it a rodent technically or is it just like a small mammal i don't know but related to the thinking cap theme it's er 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 comma minecraft question mark then we have uh 37 down medicare for all who are north of the 49th parallel question mark hmo canada was the answer but if we relate it to thinking cap hmm Oh, Canada, question mark. Cute, right? Yeah. So I filled in the whole puzzle and you're like, I don't get it. So I had to look it up. But thank you for a diary for crossword fiend for your explanation. Anyway, also from this puzzle, eight across, quote, cheese blank, viral TikTok song about the fee that a dog demands when its owner is cooking. And the answer is tax. Cheese tax. The cheese tax. The cheese tax. Something, something. Yeah. It's, it's a cute one. If you, if you like dog content, just look up the cheese text videos on TikTok. Mm-hmm. That's what I have from that puzzle. Amazing. Um, I did the Sunday Washington Post by Evan, Her- Evan Bernholz. This is the July 30th one. Cool. Um, 65 across. Word that precedes Bismarck in a German surname or trap in an Austrian surname. <gasps> Vaughn, of course. Yes. Um, 79 across, praise for a boxer at times. And the answer is good boy. boy. I feel like we've seen a variation of that, but gets me every time. Gets me. Um, 119 across, 1997 Nathan Lane Lee Evans film about a struggle to remove a rodent from a mansion. Mouse hunt. I I forgot about that. 
that was like one of the movies that was on my sister and I. We used to always rent the same movies from Blockbuster. It felt like that is so. And that funny. was one of them. We rented that one all the time, and we also rented "Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead." I'm looking at um, Nelson. I forgot about this film. Never forget. You and that you say so you like cinema. Well, I obviously don't like it nearly enough. Uh, four down. Potential lipstick issue after kissing someone. Smear. 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 31 down. When an event may aptly occur in Sunrise, Florida. The answer is at dawn. And Cute. it just got me thinking, if I lived in Sunrise, Florida, I would be so annoying. I'd be like, it's time <laughs> to get up. We're in Sunrise, Florida, after all. <laughs> Everyone gets up with the sun at Sunrise. You know, that type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I liked 98 down, one who's impossible to satisfy. A hater. Well, it's just hater. But you can't satisfy a hater. You cannot please the haters. If you have haters, then you're putting yourself out there. You're you're putting your best foot forward. Just think everything, even things that you think are like amazing, the best thing ever. There's someone who hates it. Exactly. You know? And there's nothing you, you can, can never do about win. That. You can't win. You just have to accept that there's going to be some people out there that disagree with you, okay? Right. And that hate you for the things that they disagree with you about. But that's what okay. if we had? Don't stress about it. Don't stress. It's fine. I think we have podcast <laughs> haters. If oh, we do, they're they're very to. quiet. So yeah, stay Nobody away. Please, we're too to sensitive. Us. Please, I I get it. I get it. But we're really nice. Promise. <laughs> um. Okay, I had, did the Friday, July 28th New York Times by Raphael Musa and Huang Kim Vu. I liked Seven Across, Emulates a Siren, question mark. Whales. Cute. It was Temps. Ooh. I almost did Sirens as a topic, but I liked this clue a lot. Anyway, uh, 18 Across, what some leads do? The answer was Go Cold. Uh, 34 across gathering to show off a new rock band question mark this was a full like 15 across engagement party yes there That's you go clever isn't that a good one uh and then this is for you grace i almost said this at the topic but there wasn't anything interesting on it 41 across mint sold in transparent plastic boxes tic tacs of course oh mints sorry i thought i was didn't hear that no you're good we're we're still looking up folks our ears are turning on yeah well i'll talk about tic tic tacs really quickly i've mentioned this before on the podcast but i'll say it again (laughs) non-flavored like non-minty tic tacs make no sense to me because really you just have one orange tic one tiny orange tic tac and you're like "Mm, that's great that'll that's crazy that's like having (laughs) one m&m each day i mean at that point i'd rather just not have it at all that's crazy I mean, she, she brings up a valid point. Okay. Right. So any That's haters true. out there mm-hmm. can hate somewhere else. Okay. Um, apparently, I didn't do this topic, obviously, but I remember reading that the re- their name used to not be Tic Tac, but eventually changed to Tic Tac because of the name, the, the sound that the box makes when you flip it to get a Tic Tac. Yeah. Very cute. Anyway, that's what I have from that puzzle. I have one more puzzle, but. I'm done. So you go. Okay, cool. So I did the Wednesday, August 2nd, Wineloo, New Yorker. I believe this was New Yorker. I didn't write it down, of course, because I'm insane. Anyway, <clears throat> 19 across. I loved this. Quote, run, don't walk to the theater, end quote. And the answer was, see it now. 
Um, 37 across. Person who might walk a fine line at work? Question mark. Acrobat. Hmm. I almost said acrobat as a topic, but again, I was like, this topic, something like acrobat is a really interesting topic, I bet. But I also feel like it's so vast that I'll have to like really pick something to focus on. Right. So sometimes it's hard to pick a topic, guys. I said trapeze, but I meant tightrope walker. Anyways, continue. That's okay. That's okay. I knew exactly where you were headed. You were in the the right the right place. Uh, Fifty one across. No promises. Quote. And the answer was, I'll try. Mm. All you got to do is put your best foot forward and give it a try. Uh, Fifty three across. This was fun. Fizzled. And the answer was went. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, and then. 64 across. Let me know what you feel about this one. Messages that to some sound angrier when punctuated with a period. And the okay. Or text. What, text, yes. Imagine getting a text message that's just O, the letter O and the letter K, period. Are you kidding yeah, me? You're, like, basically, you're basically telling me you hate me. Right. It's like this person is furious with me. Exactly. Or, even or the they're my dad. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> they hate me or they're my dad. Um. Yeah, just be careful out there, folks, where you're putting your periods in text messages, especially to millennials or younger, because periods speak a thousand words. Okay, it's like shots heard around the world kind of thing. Right. I'm not trying to get into an argument. We are. We're sensitive. We just need to be loved. And your period, that little dot, it's sending me spiraling, actually. <laughs> um, that's what I have from this puzzle. Well, shall we? What your topic is going to be this week? I'm kind of curious too because I had a hard well, time. I'll just say that we, you definitely did the same puzzle that I got my topic from. Okay, interesting. So I wonder. I don't think it's the same topic. I'll tell you. I'll tell you that. All right. Well then, unless unless I'm yeah, they're probably good a chance. Okay, cool. So speaking of topics, I think it's time for us to flip the coin, right? Yes, with a flip it. Okay, Flip I'm flipping this the coin. digital coin. I'm flipping it. I'm flipping it now. Tails. I feel like I've been wow. starting, um, you know, it's been tails a couple times in a row here. <laughs> it really has been. But hey, live it up. My topic comes from the Thursday New Yorker by Robin Weintraub. 53 down. Notable facial feature sorry notable facial feature for serrano and pinocchio nose yes but i'm doing my topic on pinocchio okay that's not your topic i'm guessing it is not my topic all right well you know we've done other disney stories um and the original stories that they're based on and it's always interesting pinocchio is no exception to that so you are probably familiar with the 1940s Walt Disney version of Pinocchio. It mm-hmm. was the second full-length film that they ever released after Snow White. I'm just going to go over the plot very quickly for those of you who have forgotten um, or maybe never saw it. Who knows? So the story opens up with Jiminy Cricket. He he narrates the story and he says he came to a village in Italy and he came to a shop of a woodworker and toy maker named Geppetto. Geppetto gets this magic piece of wood and he decides to he usually makes toys or clocks but he decides to make a puppet with this magic piece of wood and he wishes upon a star that the puppet pinocchio becomes a real boy 
So that night, a blue fairy visits the workshop and brings Pinocchio to life and tells him if he proves himself brave, truthful, and unselfish, he will become a real boy. Jiminy Cricket, the narrator, is tasked with being his conscience or whatever. So Pinocchio ends up being tricked into joining a traveling puppet show, even though Jiminy Cricket told him not to do it. The blue fairy visits, asks what happens, and Pinocchio lies to kind of get out of getting in trouble, but then his nose starts growing and the blue fairy tells him, like, that's what happens when you lie. Um, But she turns his nose back to normal and she releases him with a warning about lying. So then he gets tricked into going to a place named Treasure Island with a bunch of other boys. Here, the boys and Pinocchio fall into vandalism, fighting, smoking, and drinking. It's kind of like a Lord of the Flies situation where they just get put on an island and you kind of see what happens. So they make bad decisions, but they don't know this. They soon find out that the island is cursed. And if you misbehave, you get turned into a donkey. It's so dark, though. And the whole point of this island is that the owner of the island who convinced them all to go there sells donkeys and makes money off of them. Right. So Pinocchio escapes, um, but he has a donkey's ears and tail, which is why there's that like imagery of him with just a donkey ears and a tail. Very great. He returns to Geppetto's home to learn that Geppetto went out to the island looking for him. But in doing (gasps) so, he was swallowed by a whale. Oh, right. Oh, my God. Right. So Pinocchio jumps in the ocean to find him. He also gets swallowed by the whale, reuniting him with Geppetto in the whale's stomach. They make the whale sneeze, which launches them out, but the whale ends up chasing them, and Pinocchio basically sacrifices himself for Geppetto, getting smashed into a bunch of pieces in the process. But back home, the blue fairy puts him back together, revives him to life, and turns him into a real boy since he ended up proving that he was brave, truthful, and unselfish after all. So. Wow. Yes. But like with all Disney stories, we know that there is an original version that this is based on. So I got most of my information from an article on SmithsonianMag.com called The Real Story of Pinocchio Tells No Lies by Perry Glass. So the original version of Pinocchio was written by a man named C. Collodi. So C. Collodi is a pseudonym for Carlo Lorenzini, an Italian man who lived during the 1800s in a town called Collodi, Italy. So he later ended up taking his town name as his last name, his pen name. Got it. Carlo was the first of 10 children, one of only four who survived until adulthood. He was supposed to become a Catholic priest, but in 1842, he left the seminary and he went to the College of Scalopi Fathers in Florence, where he studied rhetoric and philosophy. After college, he got a job at a local bookstore and he got very involved in the movement, the big movement at the time, which was unifying the many independent political identities of Italy. So this was before Uh. Italy became a unified country or this was during that time got it um he wanted the new country of italy to be a republic but when it became unified in 1861 it did so as a kingdom carlo in his 20s and upset about the new italian government founded a satirical newspaper called the street lamp which was eventually shut down by the government but then he founded a second one called the controversy Mm. um Around 1860, that's when he began using the pen name Carlo Collodi. So he originally started as, like, a political commentator. Got um, it. Writing, you know, stuff for adults. But in 1881, he wrote his first story about Pinocchio. He debuted the character in the first issue of, sorry for my Italian, (laughs) Giornale 
Bambini, which was the first ever newspaper for children across hmm. the newly unified Italy, and the stories were released in chapters over the course of a year. It was hmm. kind of like a, a book, but Periodic. chapters were released. Yes. So the Pinocchio stories premiered at a key time in the evolution of Italian identity and the hmm. Italian language as well. If you've ever read Elena Ferrante's My Brilliant Friend, which is like a famous book about Italy, and I think it's a little bit after this time period, but I don't know that much about this. What I know is from the book and reading a little bit here. I mean, when Italy became unified, there were different versions of different dialects, essentially, of Italian in all these different areas. But then there was like proper Italian, mm -hmm. um, which was the official language of the new newly formed you know, unified country. So mm -hmm. there was a lot. I mean, it was kind of like higher class people spoke proper Italian, but then lower class people still spoke dialect. When you went to school, you learned proper Italian. Um, Got it. Yeah, there was a lot of, you know, huge differences in classes and it was it was a complicated time. But yeah. that's when Pinocchio came out. Um, the, Smithsonian's, the Smithsonian article talks about how in 2021, a Florentine lecturer, Anna Krasina, and British journalist John Hopper released a translated version that they hoped mo more genuinely reflected the original stories of an English version. So in their translation, Hooper and Krasina explain that the puppet speaks a correct but informal Italian. Their version tries to reflect this by using words as bugged. Like, for example, instead of using annoyed or vexed, they would use bugged. So more like informal language. Mm -hmm. Along with educating the first generation of true Italians, Carlo also wanted to send political messages to their parents. So at one point, um, th these are like just different things that happen throughout the story. At one mm -hmm. point, after Pinocchio is tricked out of his four gold coins by the fox and the cat, he takes his complaint to the courtroom. The judge is an ape. And he is, quote, respected because of his honorable age, his white beard, and particularly his gold-rimmed glasses, which have no lenses. Hmm. Um, Hopper and Krasina suggest that uh, the glasses reflect an empty show of wealth, serving no practical purpose. The whole, like, chapter basically warns readers not to expect much out of the justice system. Instead hmm. of having his grievances addressed, because he goes there saying that, you know, someone tricked him and stole money from him. Pinocchio gets thrown into jail instead, um, mm. and then in jail, when a ge general amnesty is issued throughout the prison, he's told he's not eligible because he himself is not a criminal. Instead, he was thrown in, in jail because he was the victim of a crime, so the only way he can get released from jail is to prove, convince the jailers that he actually is a criminal, too. So just kind oh of you know, little stuff like that. Yeah. Throughout the book, Collodi's, um satirizes corruption in business and government and points to the absurdity of social class. If you'll remember his first, like, I mean, he that was what he did. He wrote, like, a satirical newspaper. Right, um, right. Some other differences from the Disney story. In the original, Pinocchio kills Jiminy Cricket pretty early on in the story after Jiminy tries oh to tell God. him that he should go back home during one of his misadventures. Quote, at these last words, Pinocchio jumped up in a, in a fury and took a hammer from the bench and threw it with all his strength at the talking cricket. Perhaps he did not think he would strike it, but, sad to relate, my dear children, he did hit the cricket straight on its head. With the last weak cree cree cree, the poor cricket fell from the wall, dead. Which uh, kind of gives me serious, unfortunate events vibes as well. Yes. Oh, my God. 
Um, also in the original, when Pinocchio first learned to walk, the first thing he did was r- run away and he led people to believe that Geppetto had abused him, which lands Geppetto in prison. Oh my God. Um, the ghost of Jiminy Cricket comes back to warn Pinocchio about hanging out with these new tricksters that Pinocchio gets involved with. Um, but Pinocchio ignores him and he ends up getting like these people end up becoming kind of his assassins and he ends up getting hanged. Oh my and, god. And um, Collodi planned on having the story end here with Pinocchio dying. Basically a message saying like, this is what happens when you're disobedient. You can get into big trouble. But the editors and publications, you know, wanted more stories and also maybe wanted a happier ending. Yeah. Oh so my god. in the next chapter, Collodi had a blue haired fairy come and save him. So the blue-haired fairy initially appears as a little girl with blue hair and is described as the ghost of the dead girls. Some people speculate that this um, might be, you know, slightly based on the fact that he was one of 10 children, but only four survived until adulthood. Sure. He saw a lot of his siblings die at a young age. Mm -hmm. Um, In the course of the book, the little girl grows into a woman, even though a lot of his younger sisters, you know, never were able to do that. Mm -hmm. But that's, you know essentially the blue fairy in the okay disney movie um so yeah he gets brought back to life and he goes on a couple more adventures and in one of the last chapters pinocchio's has to face one last temptation the ill-fated trip to playland aka treasure island in the Aww. original story he is able to redeem himself by rescuing geppetto from the belly of a great shark so not a whale hmm. it's interesting that it's a shark because um Collodi's father had to be rescued from debt growing up and the word for predatory lenders is in italy is also a version of loan sharks so okay that may have something to do with it Mm -hmm. um at least that's loan sharks in the florence dialect so i don't know okay maybe not in italian but in his dialect sure so after pinocchio saves geppetto he then works to provide for his father's health and he studies hard at night in the end he becomes a good little kid um also sometimes translated to a proper or a decent boy. He is then transformed into, quote, a smart, lively, beautiful child with brown hair and blue eyes who was as happy and joyful as a spring lamb. Cooper Hmm. sums up the book's moral this way, quote, get educated, get informed, don't let other people pull your strings. But Hmm. it's also a book about the importance of caring for other people. Cooper also says, quote, I think Collodi is saying that's how you become a human being. There's a message about socialization that there's ap- there that is absolutely fundamental. Or as Geppetto puts it, when kids stop being bad and start being good, they also bring a new and joyous air to their families. Hmm. So Collodi ended up dying at the age of 63. Um, he never had any children of his own, but his legacy lives on through the story of Pinocchio. There's parks, plaques. The whole town of Collodi is basically dedicated to Pinocchio and to That could be cute man. to see. Um, I'm going to end talking about the fact that there is a plaque outside of the apartment where Collodi lived in his adulthood until he died, praising him for using his wit and artistic sensibilities to carry out his life's true goal to educate the people of United Italy. The article says, quote, in the end, Collodi changed his country not by publishing adult polemics, but by speaking directly to the nation's children, as the plaque puts it, with tender, bitter, virile imagination. Amazing. The end. The end. Okay. Pinocchio is kind of dark. Right. Yeah. Um, I feel like I've seen so many like deep dive things about the Disney movie and how like 
there are certain allegories for things or like, you know, allusions to certain things like Treasure Island or whatever is like, I just remember watching that scene on TikTok and being like, wow, this is a lot darker than I thought it was. Like there are adult men on that island and it's all like little boys. It's just kind of scary. I right. don't know. I mean, even the, the Disney movie itself is dark, of course, like Disney back in the day, you know, was did a little way dark. more things that they would not do today. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the fact that that's even a cleaned up version of the original stories, which were much darker. But it yeah. was like, I mean, that was. I or I don't know. I don't know that much about Italy at the time. I'm really basing this only on this one book <laughs> that fine. I read. That's fine. But in that book, there's also like a lot of I mean, a lot of people are living um, in poverty at that time. There's a lot of violence. A lot of yeah. people getting sick, a lot of people dying. That was just like the reality of, you know, the time. It was very tough life then. For sure. Yeah. I think it's interesting when we look at like older children's stories, right? We've talked about Pinocchio, Little Mermaid, Cinderella. There's Hansel and Gretel. Hansel and Gretel. Quite a few we've talked about. Um, the Pied Piper, all the stuff. Um, but how like there's this movement to ban books now. Um and, like, you think about the, the kind of content that young people were interacting with through, I don't know, it's just, like, times really don't change. I think people have this perception that in the past things were more innocent or things were better or, you know, um, children didn't have access to the type of content or media that they do now. And it's, like, they did. It was just in different shades and different colors. Like Pinocchio is incredibly dark. Like you wouldn't necessarily let your, you know, your seven-year-old kid read the original Pinocchio. But like, do you know what I'm trying to say? Um, yeah. No, I get it. I mean, in the he gets like burned. He gets drowned in the ocean. He gets beat up. Like in the original stories. Right. I mean, it's he goes through a lot. <laughs> right. Um, and you know, kids were reading it and learning something from it. Hopefully. Right. So I don't know. We got to give kids more credit than they're given. They can right. they can handle it sometimes. They, they can sometimes handle it. <laughs> I'm obviously not a parent, so I have no fucking clue. But I turned yeah. out fine. Right. Yeah. Um, You're like, yeah, sure. You did. I, I'm sure there was uproar at the time, though, of like, well, sure. I don't let my kids read Pinocchio. They, of course, there's always going to be there's always one. Right. I mean, the same as like. I'm sure there was an uproar where it's like, well, I don't let my kids play pinball. Right. Oh, my God. You know, we've talked about that, too, how pinball was seen as like this, you know, Devil major game. vice. Yeah. And now it's like, like, if your kid plays pinball, they're probably wholesome. Exactly. Exactly. It's funny how times change, right? Yeah. Well, that's Pinocchio for you. That's Pinocchio. Okay. I, never, I didn't realize it had, it was like so closely tied to like the history of Italy, you know. Yeah, I had like, no idea I, either. I the only reason I knew it was even Italian was because of Geppetto's name. Right, I for and I <laughs> forgot that it was Italian. Like I knew that his name was Geppetto, and pin, we have Pinocchio, right? But the yeah. fact that even the Disney version takes place in Italy, I, that is something that had slipped from my memory totally. Right. I just remember the scene where he's stuck in the cage and he does meet the fairy, and she like his nose grows it was so scary and treasure the treasure island stuff was so scary yeah 
I feel like I don't remember watching like the second half of Pinocchio. I only remember mm. like the very first half when he first becomes a boy and like Jiminy Cricket's there. The rest mm-hmm. lost in my memory banks. And the whole whale thing is very biblical, honestly. But um, right. Well, well, I mean, the original guy who's going to write it was he was on track to become a Catholic priest. He was. So. He was. Hold on one second. Oh, my dog has awoken and I hear him banging on the bedroom door to let, be let out. Let me like, out. You're going to have to wait, buddy, at least 30 more minutes. Speaking of, shall we go into my topic? Yes. Okay. My topic comes from the Wednesday, August 2nd, New York Times by Barbara Lynn. Two down. Like everyone on March 17th, it said. Lucky? Irish. Irish. We're talking about St. Patrick's Day. Oh, okay. I feel, I had this memory that we had talked about St. Patrick's Day, like, years ago. But I think what I'm remembering is you talking about Valentine's Day and St. Columbia or something. Uh, it's so, the memory is so faint. And it might have been the one of the researches that I accidentally deleted. Um, but. Right. Definitely did not do a full topic, though. We did not do a full topic because this none of this is none of this was ringing a bell. But I do believe and listeners, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that like there's this origin story of Valentine's Day that has to do with St. Columbia and St. Patrick. But she was like a little girl and he was a man. It was weird. I'm just I have this like vague memory. Right. I don't know if that's Valentine's Day. I think that might be leap year. Is it leap year? No. No, maybe it is Valentine's Day. There is definitely some story of there is like a little girl with a grown man. And I think it's St. Columbia and St. Patrick, but it doesn't matter. And it has to do with either leap year or Valentine's Day, but either way. Either way, we're not talking about that today. We're talking about St. Patrick's Day. What comes to mind when you think of St. Patrick's Day? I mean, this is kind of a loaded question considering we live in Chicago, which is one of the biggest places to celebrate St. Patrick's Day, but what comes to mind for you? When you um, think of people Patrick's Day. waking up at like eight in the morning to start drinking all day, just immediately drinking. Yeah. yeah. Um, and of course, in Chicago, we dye the river green. So mm-hmm. if you've never been to Chicago and you're young and you're like, I like partying and going out like St. Patrick's Day is a great time to come. It's it's wild. I mean, it's wild. Doing some St. Patrick's Day celebrations when you're in college is it's like a right in Chicago. Right. Seeing the river green is amazing. Even if you go the day before or a couple of days after St. Patrick's Day, it's still green. It is, you got to have that classic, iconic Chicago river green photo um, on your Instagram. I um, remember taking, I did a boat tour on St. Patrick's Day with friends of mine and just getting totally drunk. They're serving green beer the whole time. It's amazing, by the way. I just feel like Couldn't I don't want to be drunk on a boat. At the time, I did. I could never do something like that now because I'd be I like, be I need to get off this. All yeah, <laughs> right. Are you kidding? That's, yeah, that's why cruises like, can be dangerous. Yeah. How did I used to do that back in the day? Like back in the day, I didn't even it, the thought, the anxiety of getting sick on a boat while drinking didn't cross my mind. Now it's all I can think about. Right. And I'm not even. I have no plans to go on a boat or drink anytime soon. Anyway, also for me, uh. St. Patrick's Day was huge where I grew up. I grew up in South Jersey, really close to Philly, which has a huge Irish population. We 
had traditional food that we would eat, traditional in quotes here, like this is something we would always eat as a family, and all the people in my town were Irish Catholic, mostly. That's my medication alarm, excuse me. <laughs> um, so we, it felt like very traditional, like all, like my friends would eat the same thing, whatever, um, you know, corned beef and cabbage. Irish soda bread. Yes. We have these things called Irish potatoes, which sounds ridiculous, but it's not like a savory food. It's a dessert food. Essentially, uh, it's cream cheese, powdered sugar, coconut rolled up into like a potato shape and then rolled in cinnamon. And okay. uh, all around St. Patrick's Day, you can buy them at every single grocery store, every single bakery, patissier, like my dad used to ship them to me from Philly because I love them so much and you can't buy them here, but you can make them easily at home. Um, but you know, in school we would make Irish potatoes, like all this stuff. And then I would like go to, I went away to college, came here for college. People were like, what the fuck? Irish potato. Like that sounds so weird. It's like, it's a dessert. You just got to trust me. Maybe I'll make some for you sometime. I don't know if you would like it though, but I'm not a huge coconut fan. I'm not so either. How coconutty it is. But yeah, I think you might. You could get past how much coconut. There's not too much. It's more cream right. cheesy, like sweet. All right. I try then. it. Okay. All right. Well, if I would be curious if any of our listeners have had Irish potatoes in this manner. Anyway. Um, maybe some people eat them every night. Maybe they do. Uh, Irish soda bread's really easy to make, too. So next St. Patrick's Day, make yourself some Irish soda bread, some corned I've beef, had, and cabbage. I've had Irish soda bread in my many, you know irish or saint patrick's day celebrations in college oh yeah good very good okay so we're going to talk about saint patrick's day but to, before we can talk about saint patrick's day we have to talk about the man the myth the legend saint patrick himself which takes us all the way back to the fifth century okay according to marion casey this is from a time magazine article uh, Marion Casey, a clinical assistant professor of Irish studies at NYU, very little is known about St. Patrick and who he really was. Uh, this is what we do know. This is a combi combination of information from History, Smithsonian, and this Time Magazine article. My dog is slamming himself against that bedroom door and whining, so I apologize if I keep pausing or turning around in the YouTube video. Anyway, so St. Patrick, he was born in Britain, not Ireland. <gasps> to can you believe he wasn't even irish um to wealthy parents near the end of the fourth century legend says that his birth name was actually maywin sukat sorry if i pronounced that wrong i likely did he was technically a roman citizen because at this time britain was roman okay and his father was a christian deacon now, you may be wondering, why was Christianity allowed during Roman times? Well, if you remember your high school history lessons, around 1313 BCE, the Roman Emperor Constantine issued the Edict of Milan, which accepted Christianity. Years pass, and Christianity becomes the official Roman religion. So, this was happening in the 300s. St. Patrick was bopping around, booming and active uh, at the, in the late 300s, okay, so the 4th century. Back to regularly scheduled programming, it was totally normal for his father to be a Christian deacon at this time. When Patrick was 16, he was taken prisoner by a group of Irish raiders who were attacking his family's estate. They transported him to Ireland, where he spent six years in captivity. He spent his captivity in either Mount Slemish, County Antrim, or County Mayo near Killala. And during his ca 
captivity, he worked as a shepherd. So he spent a lot of time outdoors. He was mostly alone for the entirety of his captivity. Lonely and afraid, he turned to his religion for solace and he became a devout Christian. Because previous to this, this is what is assumed. His father was only a Christian deacon and he was also like like a local official in the place where they lived. He only was a Christian deacon for tax reasons. They weren't a particularly mm. religious family. But while he was held prisoner, he all he had was his faith. Could you imagine just being a shepherd out in the fields? Like, you don't have TikTok. Right. You don't have, like, whatever. His imagination, he, all he has is God. So he turns to God. Um, and he also, it is also believed that Patrick first began to dream of converting the Irish people to Christianity during his captivity. After about six years in captivity, Patrick either escaped or was released. It's unclear. Um, but according to his writings, a voice, which he believed to be God, spoke to him in a dream, telling him it was time to leave Ireland. This voice was like, you gotta get out of here. You gotta yeah, you go. think? He was just held captive there for like six years. And he's probably losing his mind. If he spent so much time alone, he's just hanging with God the whole time. Of course, a voice is going to be like, you gotta go. To do so. Patrick walked from County Mayo, where it was believed that he was held, to the Irish coast. He bartered himself a spot on a ship, and he was returned to Britain. After escaping to Britain, Patrick reported that he experienced a second revelation, an angel in his dream telling him, return to Ireland as a missionary. So, of course, this voice is like, get out of here. And as soon as he gets, gets out of there, it's like, the voice is, you gotta go back. You gotta go back. And he's like, god damn it. So, soon after his second vision, Patrick was like, you know what? I'm dedicating my life to God. And he entered his religious training. His training lasted more than 15 years. Uh, and eventually he was ordained as a priest and he was sent back to Ireland with a dual mission. The first uh, of his missions was to minister to Christians already living in Ireland. That's number one. And number two was begin to convert the Irish. That's number two. History.com notes that his mission, like to go to minister Christians already living in Ireland and to convert and then begin to convert the Irish. Uh, his mission contradicts the widely held notion that Patrick introduced Christianity to Ireland. There were people who were Christian living in Ireland at the time. It was a very, it was like a minority and they were persecuted mm -hmm. usually. But uh, there's myths. There's so many myths around St. Patrick. He is like a legendary saint, right? Um, and one of those is that he brought Christianity to Ireland, which is not the case. He, there were people there that were Christian. Mm-hmm. Okay. It said that Patrick's first landing place upon returning to Ireland was Wicklow County, Wicklow. Uh, Patrick was likely not welcome there by the locals. He had to leave, seeking a more welcome landing place further north. He finally founded his first monastery in a town called Saul. Uh, and while in Ireland, he claimed to have baptized thousands of people. He even planned to convert his enslavers. He ordained priests to lead new Christian communities. He converted wealthy women, some of whom were nuns, some into nuns. Okay, and he also converted the sons of Irish chieftains and kings. Um, and a lot of the information comes from Patrick's own writing, now called The Confession of St. Patrick, where he, this writing is apparently um, where he defends himself against his detractors. Uh, and in this, quote, confession, uh, he wrote of the Irish people at large, quote, Never before did they know of God except to serve idols and unclean things, but now they have become the people of the Lord and are called children of God. The sons and daughters of the leaders of the Irish are seen to be monks and virgins of Christ, end quote. And now that I'm thinking about it, I don't know if he was Catholic. That just might be like something I assume because everything well, I have written here is Christian, but I'm pretty sure he was Catholic. But if somebody right, well, knows- Saints are just a ca are Catholic thing. 
Exactly. That's why I think. But nothing specifically said that. Well, <laughs> I don't just, know enough just, about. Let me like, just finish yeah. this this about his 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 life because I I think n- none of my sources said that he was Catholic explicitly, but I think mm-hmm. everything that I'm telling you reads Catholic. But right, correct me if I'm wrong. Literally, please correct me if I'm wrong. Anyway, okay, so he does all these things. He's talking about the Irish people because he had spent a specific like a significant chunk of his life, six years uh, in Ireland during his captivity. Patrick was familiar with the Irish language. He was familiar with the culture and he chose to incorporate, incorporate traditional rituals into his lessons on Christianity instead of attempting to eradicate entirely the Irish beliefs. You know, of course there is going to be some of that happening, but you know, for example, he used bonfires to celebrate Easter since the Irish were used to honoring their gods with fire. He also superimposed the sun, a powerful symbol to the Irish, onto a Christian cross uh, to create what is now called the Celtic cross. Um, so basically, he was trying to combine, we've heard this before, I think, you know, mm-hmm. you combine pagan rituals with Christian rituals to kind of make the transition easier. We've talked about this a couple of times in the podcast and the various pagan holidays and so on and so forth like yule and blah 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 so saint patrick is said to have died in saul the place of his monastery on march 17th around 460 bce you might be wondering how did saint patrick get canonized so this is why i think catholic um don't all saints have to kind of go through some religious trial and then be canonized by a pope Well, for most of Christianity's first thousand years, canonization was done on on the diocesan or regional level. So soon after the death of a person considered very holy, the local church affirmed that they could be liturgically, liturgically, I hate Mm -hmm. that word, liturgically celebrated as saints. And as a result, Patrick was never formally canonized by a pope. Nevertheless, he is venerated as a saint in the Catholic Church, the Lutheran Church, the Church of Ireland, and the Eastern Orthodox Church. Oh, I see. Okay. So, yeah. But he was never formally canonized as a pope. Like, I think a lot of popes, I don't know if we've talked about many saints before on the podcast, but most saints were canonized around the 10th century in and around those times because that's when the pope started having that kind of power and mm-hmm. were just around they didn't have popes at this time anyway let's talk about a couple legends of saint patrick's there are of which there are many but i'm going to talk about three of the big ones um surrounding him like his um he became like a folk figure at some point you know he wasn't just a religious leader like he became so important to the identity of the Irish that there are just countless, quote, legends about his existence. Anyway, but we're going to talk about a couple of them. So you might know some of these, but the first is Patrick using a shamrock in an illustrative parable. So legend says that Patrick taught the Irish about the doctrine of the Holy Trinity by showing them a shamrock. Um so a three-leafed plant used to illustrate the Christian teaching of three people in one God. Um, Mm -hmm. So the earliest written version of the story is from 1726. So it's likely not true that this is what he actually did. Um, Nevertheless, in pagan Ireland, Ireland, three was a significant number uh, and the Irish had many triple deities, uh, which could have added, aided Patrick as he was trying to convert them. 
The next is probably one of the most famous stories told about Patrick is that Patrick banished all the snakes from Ireland. Interestingly, like there literally aren't snakes in Ireland, which is like the fact since like Ice Age times, honestly. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's well known that Ireland is a land without snakes. Um, And this fact was as recorded as early as the third century. So the 200s BCE. But nevertheless, legend credits Patrick with banishing snakes from the island, even though the first account of anybody banishing snakes from Ireland was written in the eighth century. And it was about the life of St. Columba. Sorry, if I said Columbia a bunch earlier, it's St. Columba. Anyway, the first account of crediting Patrick with banishing the snakes is from the 12th century. So the 1100s. Basically, these writings about Patrick say he chased the snakes into the sea after they attacked him during the fast on a mountain. So, it used to be St. Columba that chased the snakes, and then Patrick was the one, and then, but, you know. But the reality was, there was never snakes. There was never snakes. Exactly. So then, we'll talk about Patrick's fast in the mountain. In the 7th century, it was written that Patrick spent 40 days on the mountaintop, uh, as Moses did on Mount Sinai. Uh, later, it was added that while fasting on the mountain, Patrick was harassed by a flock of black demonic birds while on the peak, and he banished them into the hollow by ringing his famous bell. He is known for his famous bell. Um, Patrick ended his fast when God gave him the right to judge all of the Irish at the last judgment and agreed to spare the land of Ireland from the final dissolution. Uh, desolation, rather. That's crazy. Why Ireland, of all places? But I guess, like, if you want to survive the last judgment make sure you're in ireland anyway uh, and a later legend tells that patrick was tormented on the man, man mountain by a demonic female serpent okay so it was a female serpent and he is said to have banished the serpent into below the mountain um or into a lake and the the mountain is now known as something in irish patrick so it's basically known as like mount patrick um after the saint so, now that we know a little bit more about St. Patrick, how did we get St. Patrick's Day? We've already talked about this, but in the centuries following Patrick's death, the mythology surrounding his life became ever more ingrained in Irish culture. Um, the legends we just talked about all happened past, like, after his death. He was becoming a celebrity of sorts. Mm-hmm. Remember, if people start talking about you after you die, like, you're going to get famous. Like, that's kind right. of what we've talked about here on the podcast. And in 1631, the Catholic Church established a feast day honoring St. Patrick, March 17th, the day of his death. Um, but it wasn't until the, eight, the early 18th century that many of today's traditions really kicked up. Because St. Patrick's Day falls during Lent, it provides Christians a day off from, like, you know, you know there's prescriptions of abstinence and le- leading up to Easter. Mm-hmm. Interestingly, the celebrations of St. Patrick's Day were mostly influenced by those uh, of the Irish diaspora. Um, and kind of influenced by the Irish diaspora in North America. So it was a bigger celebration informed by Irish people in North America, not in Ireland at all. That's not the case now. Like, you can celebrate St. Patrick's Day in Ireland, but it is nothing like the celebrations that we have here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and until the late 20th century, like what my notes say here, St. Patrick's Day was a bigger celebration among the diaspora than it was in Ireland, which I think is very interesting. Um, those are sort of changing now, but... I have an Irish coworker, and even she says, like, yeah, we celebrate it, but it is not like, it is not like the all-out chaos of the United States St. Patrick's Day celebrations. 
Um, so the types of celebrations you might see today involve parades, festivals, Irish traditional music, the wearing of green or shamrocks. Uh, St. Patrick's Day parades began in North America in the early 18th century. The first ever New York City parade took place in 1762. And at these parades, you'll see marching bands, the military, fire brigades, cultural organizations, charitable organizations, youth groups, fraternity, etc. Over time, however, these parades are less of a, re- of a reflection of faith and are closer to the parades you might see around Carnival. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, another interesting fact that I found out that it wasn't until 1798 that the color green was officially associated with St. Patrick. Originally, it was blue, mm-hmm. but 197 or 1798 was the year of the Irish Rebellion. Uh, and because the British wore red, the Irish chose to wear green and they sang the song The Wearing of the Green during the Rebellion, uh, cementing the color's relevance in Irish history. So what about green beer? Um Beer was always used in North America, but what I think is interesting, apparently Ireland had a law in place until the late 20th century that kept everything, including pubs, closed on St. Patrick's Day. But once the law was repealed, and thanks to a marketing push from Budweiser in the 80s, drinking beer of all colors became the most common way to celebrate St. Patrick's Day, even if it's not tied to the saint himself. Right. Of all Um, colors, like pink beer and stuff? Any color green i've i've only drank in drank and i've only drunk green beer same on saint patrick's day on saint patrick's day but that's that's saint patrick there you what do you think it. does the man live up to his legend well i don't know i mean it kind of feels like it was assigned to him after he died right right and also you didn't really have a choice right also it's so interesting because i just associate irish with or Ireland with Catholicism so much. Um, but what were, what was the like, I mean, they were pagan, I assume. What was the religion of Ireland before this jabroni think, went there and, you know, turned around Christian? Yeah, I think obviously the overarching term is pagan. And the, the term that was used a lot in my research was druid. Mm-hmm. But I think similar to how you know italy has like their own dialectical like their dialects in the region i feel like each clan could have had a different way to believe or different traditions it's who's to say you know i don't know much but um nature-based pagan religions of some sort like what is it not monotheistic uh polytheistic polytheistic um this is just going off of my very, very general knowledge of like pagan religions when I was reading a book about witchcraft. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's been a long time. But they use the word druid. And I think druid is similar to pagan is more of an overarching term rather than like in- incredibly descriptive. Like when I hear when you hear druid, it's not like when you hear like about the Romans or the Greeks. Like, it's right. not like a god comes to mind. It's not like Zeus comes to mind or anything like that. We don't know much. I don't personally know much about Irish pagan religions, yeah. which I would like to. Yeah. A lot of people think I'm Irish, but I'm not. I just have freckles and I'm very pale. <laughs> you do have an eye. Like, I think a lot of people think all Irish people have red hair, and that's not the case. A lot of Irish people look exactly like you. Very pale, dark, curly hair. Um, Yeah. Right. It's common. I hate to say it on my, I think it's, I'm like German and Czech. So more Eastern yeah. European. 
It works so, for you, though. Yeah, I, I hate to disappoint anyone. I'm sorry. And I hate to disappoint... If people think that I'm Irish, uh, I'm more Scottish, apparently. But mm. Well, not only... Okay, I have freckles, but my grandma literally had, like, bright red hair. That's crazy. Still not Irish. That's um, crazy. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? Not me. Certainly not I. Well, that was interesting. Now I we know. know. Now we know. I just think it's funny that, like... St. Columba was the first saint to have driven the snakes from Ireland, a woman. But Right. And then, like, actually, let's give it to St. Patrick instead. Mm -hmm. I also read, there's an interesting theory, and I didn't get too much into this, but there's the theory of the two Patricks, where there's the Patrick from the 4th century, and then there's, like, a Patrick that came later, and they kind of combined both of these Patricks to form the myth of St. Patrick. Hmm. Um, Oh, yeah. Also, not to mention that St. Patrick's not even Irish. No, he's like, not. That's he another is shocking. Roman. Yeah. Shocking yeah. term events there. Have you kissed the Blarney Stone? Have you really been to <laughs> No, Ireland? I don't you think I kissed. kissed the stone. No, I haven't. I'm not going to kiss a Liar. stone that a million other people have kissed. No offense. Okay, yeah. Um, well, I did, and I didn't die. But, I mean, you could now with the whole COVID thing. But this was pre-COVID, baby. I was kissing stones and all sorts of things back then. Uh, when I was younger, you could kiss any stone you wanted to. I really hope that that man that helped me backbend to kiss the Blarney Stone is still working there. That's it feels another like reason he's... why I'm not doing that. <laughs> this, I feel like this man is like old, weathered, hunchbacked, sorry to this man, and he's just like, all right, ladies, with an Irish <laughs> accent, like flipping us over to kiss the stone. And he is, and I'm gripping with dear life, and this man, the strongest man that I've ever seen. He's got like that old man strength. He does. Which reminds me, speaking of old men, but kind of related to your topic and the Romans, when I was in Italy studying abroad, we took a boat from one of the Cinque Terre towns to another one, whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was the tiniest town uh, in like the five earths, the, the Cinque Terre. And um, we pull up in this boat and the waves are like, foom, foom, and we're in like, it's like a rowboat, basically. That's what it feels like with a motor on the back of it. And this man, I tell the oldest but also most attractive Italian man. He's in a Speedo, golden, jacked, white hair, huge white beard. He literally looks like Poseidon has just walked from the sea. He yanks all three of us out of the boat. And I was like, this man will be, go down. Like, I will think of this man on my deathbed. Like, right. speaking of old, old man strength. Anyway, he was Poseidon. That's Italy for you. <sighs> All right, let's get out of here. Right, right, right. So you can talk to us on Twitter at the Good Eve, at the Good Eve Girls, or Instagram at the Good Evening Girls, or TikTok at the Good Eve Girls. Uh, and like always, keep curious, listeners. Tell us all of your stories about Pinocchio, whether or not you kiss the Blarney Stone. Is Saint Patrick Catholic? Has he always been Catholic? Is that something I made up as I was talking to you about him? Yeah, I'm realizing like I don't, I have no idea how the Catholic Church started. I don't either. I have like a very vague understanding of the Catholic Church. But I knew <laughs> that Christianity was accepted in Rome around the 300s. And my topic verified that for me today. But that's about it. Right. I thought there was always a pope. Apparently there wasn't. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Or maybe there was, but he was, wasn't canonizing people. I don't know. Well, in any event, remember to <laughs> <laughs> keep curious and carry on, folks. Yeah. We'll see you next time. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.